0: Welcome back to episode number 60 of the NP Dude. This is Jeff the NP Dude giving nurse practitioners a voice. And that is all of our voices. So keep comments, questions, and concerns coming to me. I really do appreciate all of the kind words you guys are saying on Facebook and emails and PMs and... And I'm getting a lot of great feedback from you guys. But I want to hear the good, the bad, and the ugly, too. So if you guys have negative comments, if you've got critiques for the show, how I can make this better, show ideas, things that you guys find more interesting than maybe what I'm talking about, then I want to hear them. You can email me, jeff at thenpdude.com. You can always PM me on Facebook. Don't forget I'm on iTunes as well. And leave ratings on Facebook and iTunes in case you like or don't like what you're hearing. Just give me a reason why, guys. I just want to hear it. So, it um, been a long weekend, I don't know if you guys are friends with me on Facebook Through personal, I was uh, out kind of kinda out of town for an evening and had a great time dancing With the kids at a, at a party and had some fun with the uh, camera, the the iPad camera thing where You do the little photo booth, that was a lot of fun and, and just had a great time, it was Nice to just spend time with the family, not worry about work, not worry about podcasts Or you know, bees or anything else for a little while and And uh, all the headaches that I got going on so it was great it was great time but I did get bees installed over the weekend I don't know if you guys care or not but I think it's fun and so I picked up a new hobby I'm gonna have an apiary for uh, season see if I can get some honey and we'll see what works and what doesn't and if it's worth my time and energy I don't know maybe it's easier just to buy honey (laughs) it's kind of a neat neat hobby so anyways what are we going to talk about today there was um. A couple things that came up over the weekend, and nothing major, but um, everything's been kind of quiet. There's really not like any major, you know, storm of activity, of arguments, or fights, or concerns, or anything like that. But there was a couple of things that came in, and um, a couple things on Facebook that I saw that I thought, well, this might be worth talking about. And one of them was relating to opiate prescribing. And, um,. Here's the circumstance, and you guys all know, if you haven't listened to me before, I'm a hypothetical kind of person. I like hypotheticals because then you learn the story of why we're we're talking about it. And then you'll remember it a little easier. Stories are easier to remember. So, what's the story? You have a patient that comes to you or you've been seeing, you send them to pain management for whatever their pain is. It could be back pain or whatever. Let's just call it back pain. And, and they're being seen by they're pain management specialist. they're getting good relief, they are now functional, they weren't functional before, so they're doing everything they're supposed to do. They weren't abusing anything, they're not narcotic seekers, they're, you know, they're, they're just doing whatever they need to do to feel better. And um, all of a sudden their insurance either changes or the, the pain management center changes which insurance they, ex- they accept. Regardless, it ends up in that patient not being able to be seen by that specialist. And so they come to you and say, "Look, I, you know, I, I was in good faith going to that pain management guy, and I, I'm I'm trying to be comfortable and functional. And um, what do I do now? And so you get them a referral to their next pain management specialist, and that you you confirm that their insurance will get covered, and you know all that good stuff. But it might be two, three, four weeks before they're ever either, either seen, or they are seen and then seen the second time and get you know prescriptions." For their pain control, whether it's injections or whatever it is, doesn't matter. I don't care what they're doing, but they come to you in the meantime and say, "Look, I'm gonna. Have, I'm four weeks of not working. I can't do right. So what do you do for this person? What's the What's the option that you do for this this individual? And um, do you bridge for them? Do you just watch them suffer? And and I was seeing some some advice on Facebook that that ranged pretty much everything that you can imagine. In the range of options, you know, from yeah, you know, I'll bridge them for a month or two until they get seen, and then I've seen everything from absolutely not, and I kind of fall somewhere in the middle, right? I mean, it, it, I I would like to say that I want to help people with their pain and all that pain control, but there's a lot of concern that I have as a practitioner wanting to take over pain management, and in, in family practice, it's just not what we do. And and do we do we bridge them? Well, it, the answer is easier in Ohio now because. Um, well, not even because it's acute pain. But is it acute pain now? It's chronic pain. But they're coming to me for acute pain because it's no longer going to be controlled. So, what's the definition of acute pain? I don't think that I don't think the new rules have contemplated that yet. Now, maybe they will. They're they're supposed to be coming out with new guidelines through the state board, as well as all the other uh, boards relative to those that can prescribe in the state of Ohio. And you know, we'll see what they say. They, they may define acute pain as somebody that never had that pain before, and now they have it? I don't know. So there's there's a gray area as a, from a legal standpoint in Ohio. And there's also the issue that with chronic pain in Ohio, and guys, please correct me in Ohio if, if I'm wrong on this, but this is my interpretation. You're not to start a... Um, a chronic pain med regimen, and chronic pain med regimen means more than like three days. If you go out beyond three days of, you know, Percocet, Norco, or Vicodin, then you're practicing outside of the scope of what the board of nursing allows. And and unless your collaborative physician or a physician, they just opened that up too, is the one that prescribes first, and then you are taking over, just you know, the the routine chronic pain med script for them on a month-to-month basis and so that that kind of puts a damper in it too so if if you're like me where my collaborative is available but not and he's in the building but he's not right next door in my you know in my office um that that could be an issue where you know i got to go track down the collaborative see this patient which isn't isn't the normal for us um it just, it seems like it might be, might be a headache. So I'm not sure how I would be able to even functionally do it from a, from a management standpoint. But that being said, if everything else was okay, um, basically what I'd be doing is deferring to the physician to have in Ohio anyways, to, to see that patient and take over pain management for a month. What are my concerns about doing that? Cause that could be a big issue. My concern is that, you know, if, if I take over the pain management, I, you know, I get the, the, the urine drug screen, everything comes back exactly how I expected to, which is no illicit drugs and finding the medicine that they're taking in their system, so they're not diverting. And and on top of that, I see that that you know I get them to sign the contract and the uh, substance abuse contract or whatever it is, the uh, uh, pain contract controlled substance agreement is the technical word for it and they sign it no problem they agree i'll pee in a cup whenever you want me to i just i need to be functional and I, I, i'm i i fully trust this individual the problem is is that if i take over that pain management then pain management will look and say well your pain management's being well controlled by this right yeah okay we'll go back to your primary care they can continue that and then now this person's stuck and they can't see pain management well will they do that i don't know but i don't know if it's worth the the risk to be honest with you that's one issue i see with this now the other issue i see with this is if i have somebody that i think i can trust but i really don't know them they could just drag their feet and miss their appointments and not be able to get into the pain management second pain management specialist and then what's that do to me well, I just, I just gave you a month bridge to get hooked up with this other pain management person and then you blew it off and now they won't see you. You're at the bottom of the pile and there's 200 people ahead of you again. It's going to take another month to get in there. And so I, I, I don't want to be stuck in that position where I'm continually just bridging this person with no end in sight. And so I'm kind of taking a hard and fast rule of, you know, and I, I'm not only can I not do it functionally or legally in my office, but I also wouldn't do it even if I was allowed to because no offense, I really like you, but I'm not going to lose my license over you, number one, and number two, I really don't want to be stuck in the position where you don't take it seriously enough to go see the pain specialist because you're getting your needs met here, which is inappropriate, so that that can happen. And it can happen. So um, I, I just, I'm, that's my, my rule. I'm going to be hard and fast about it and say, nope, this is the way it is. This is unfortunate. I'm sorry you're not feeling well. I would say, you know, if you're on uh, opiate, I would say start breaking them in half and using half of what you normally would and suffer with a little bit of the pain um, and don't have complete pain control or reduced pain control for a little while until you get in there. And I would impress upon them that, you have to make that appointment because if you do not, you will miss your opportunity and you will be completely out of your medicine period just not safe for you and, and not functional more than anything. I mean, p- people will not die from a withdrawal of with opiates. They just won't It's the you know if they go start using something off the street they don't know what they get it kills them. But that's, that's going to be my role. That's the way I'm working it. And I haven't even had this situation happen. I just saw it on Facebook, and I'm like, oh, well, that's a, that's a good issue. And uh, I haven't had one of my patients not be able to be taken by pain management. I haven't had somebody yet not um, or I had somebody um, get booted out of their pain management issue. And the other one, I, I've seen this happen when I was in clinical where somebody would smoke weed, Thinking that oh that's not a big deal it's going to be legal soon and it's still illegal in Ohio and they smoke weed and they get kicked out of their pain management and then they come to their primary care and they're like well oh, it's just weed yeah but it's if you're willing to break the law to use an illegal substance what are you doing with the money the, the medicines I'm giving you are you selling them are you you know you know you know you have an appointment with me and you know in a month you're going to sell 27 of them save two and then you know three and take them right before you come in so that you test positive for that i mean it means that, that that you're you're willing to break the law that means you're willing to break the law with whatever i give you too so that's that's a reason that i wouldn't do a controlled substance for any illegal drug period that's that's kind of where i'm going i would never start anybody on that so that's just not going to happen, especially if, if they bridge like, oh, yeah, I, I got caught smoking weed and I, I got kicked out of pain management. and It's going to be three weeks before I get in the other one. I'd be telling this person, do not smoke weed if you want to get into that next pain management. They're not going to let you in. And if you get caught, you're never going to have another option. This is your last shot. If you want this pain control, you got to do it. Which is more important to you, smoking weed or being 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 un, you know without pain? So it's obviously not that important to you if you're willing to go smoke weed. So why would I help you? <laughs> that so it's easy. I push it right back onto them. I would. I guess I wouldn't. I haven't had that experience yet, but I could imagine doing that. <laughs> That's what I would say. So that was one issue today that I, I, I felt was interesting to do and talk about a little bit, and because there was a lot of good advice on it, and it was, and I'm like, well, I could do that, and well, I could do that too, and it was, and there was just a lot of just a lot of really good advice, but there was nothing definitive. It was, you know, it's a very personal issue, and it's a level of state law, really, is a lot what it comes down to. So even though there was a lot of issues with. Um, you know, back and forth on that one. I think a lot of it could be controlled. You know, a lot of that, the argument goes away just by looking at what your rules are in your state. I can't do it. Oh, okay. Well, that goes away easy. Then you don't even need to get in the debate. So that's that's kind of where I'm going to go, too. That's my fallback, is the state doesn't let me do it. I'm sorry. If you need to see a physician that, could, that will be more willing to do that for you because there's less scrutiny for the physicians in Ohio, physicians can get away with it. They get a little slap on the wrist. Oh, don't do that again, doctor. Oh, okay. But in, in Ohio in there's practitioners you do it wrong once you're gone <laughs> you you disappear you you're you're asking if you want fries with that <laughs> you know it just isn't worth the headache Anyways all right moving on so what else I, I saw this one this first thing this morning and I'm a, like I said I'm I'm am I'm a last in first out kind of guy and I still have stuff on the back burner I know guys I'm sorry but some of those things I I need to get research to to really talk about and and talk to some other people before I give you what I think is good advice, and um, I've seen a lot of them already have been hit on the Facebook forum uh, on the Facebook page. So I know you kind of gotten some answers, but there's stuff that I still still want to talk about, but I just haven't had a chance. It's been really busy, and um, some of it I, I want to have interviews and try to try to do things like that. So and if you guys are you know I just kind of drop some hints there, so you know who I'm kind of talking to there. Um, but I saw this one this morning, and I thought that's kind of a neat idea um, to think about and talk about. It's a mental exercise while I'm driving, and I'm not sure how I feel on it yet. So we'll figure out as I as we go, as I talk. Well, this is this is me thinking. This is my thought process. So I saw this thing. Um, this morning, that was a study that was posted to one of the Facebook pages, and I just, that was making coffee, and I just was scrolling through real quick, see what's, what, what's shaking on Facebook, and, um, and it was basically, and, and I'll have, I'd have to look it up, and my phone's in my pocket, but it was basically talking about um, imposter theory of nurses in the nurse practitioner role. And it was, it's not imposter theory, it's imposter something, it's I, I-D or IP, I, I can't remember what it was, uh, imposter phenomena, that's what it is, it's IP, that's the name of it. And imposter phenomena, <clears throat> what what it basically boils down to is they're trying to justify in this study why people don't feel confident in the role that they're taking. And, you know, you're an expert, quote-unquote, but you're you you feel like you don't know anything when you first start and I thought well that that's kind of kind of true I mean that that's kind of how everybody feels right but but I don't think we need to to go there (laughs) this study seems to try to justify something that doesn't really need to be justified right I mean does anybody assume that they know everything when they get done with NP school and ready to go start no, nobody knows. But physicians that are in their residency don't know. They're just usually young and they don't realize how dumb they are. They're just cockier and you know, they, they, they just kind of go you know, guns a blazing jumping in and, and don't really realize what they don't know. So whereas nurses, we've worked in hospitals, we've worked in outpatient, we've worked in rehab center, you know, we worked at, we've been around the block before we went into MP school. So we know what limitations we have before we, we come out the other side. And as we're learning, we're like, well, I still haven't learned anything about X, Y, or Z. So we're smarter than, than, than the young people that are coming right out of school and just jumping right into a profession because they haven't had that life experience where we've done that, right? I mean, so I, th- I think that, that justifying that doesn't need to be done. So this imposter theory to me it was just kind of it was really a foreign idea and it was it was a neat like oh okay I'm, I'm, that, that's that's neat and I read through the article real quick but it really didn't shed any light on well, how do you fix it and and it didn't really fix it at all all it did was justify how you feel and and justification of how you feel to me isn't helpful right. I, I'm a solutions person. If I feel like I'm inadequate on something, what do I do? I pick up a book and I read more. I, I ask for more ex- exposure to that at work. Or I say, you know what, I don't really want to do that. I don't like doing that. I want to do this. Then you, you've changed your path. So that that's where I guess I, I try to go with things, is to learn more and try to figure it out and, and not just justify why and oh, we got a name for it now, so we can stop there. And it, that's that's kind of the feeling I had when I read that article. Was okay. Well, now I know what it's called. Yay. What do I do with it? Nothing. It doesn't say anything. It just now it justifies it. And I think justifying something that needs fixed is 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 a waste of energy. Right. You spend more time justifying. Well, it's just because I'm new. Sorry, I killed somebody. Well, it's just because I wasn't new. I was new, and I was—you know—I I had imposter identity problems. I, I was—I fell. In, darn it! I fell into that trap of imposter phenomena again. Whoops! That doesn't help anything. Go learn it. So, um, to me, this is the takeaway that I have with these type of articles. And the person that posted—I'm sure they had good intentions of just trying to—Hey, guys, don't worry. You're not alone. This is a normal thing for all new nurse practitioners to go through. To me it was like kinda whiny. And I don't mean to be derogatory and I'll probably get a couple emails that are hate mail, and that's okay, I'm okay with that. I got broad shoulders, I can handle that. But to me it was very whiny. The article was written whiny, it was it was you know, to jump right into Benner and, you know, all these you know, the the theory of novice to expert and and you know, just more justification from study upon study and theory upon theory of how people learn and it takes years to get now that that was that was the only thing I saw in there that was kind of maybe solutions oriented was that you know according to Benner that she at least put some time frames in her research that showed most nurses will typically you know range between three years to be an you know intermediate level nurse and five years to be an expert well guess what the the rule in general business isn't much different than that and it's the 5,000 hour rule if you can do anything and do it functionally not just on the fringe you know every now and then but if you're doing something 5,000 hours total you're an expert what's that come out to be that's a little over two years so that's that's in that order of magnitude so nurses aren't special here we all you know this is and I've seen this in engineering I've seen it in in uh Management. I've seen it in all these different areas I've been in. When you're new, you don't know. You're a novice. So the theory of novice to expert and Benner and all this stuff. Benner was a knockoff. She took all her crap from somebody else in a different field, and all she did was apply it to nurses. She did not have an ingenuitive thought. She didn't have a new thought. She used someone, permacopied copied their study and their research and just applied it to nurses. Well, you could apply that to garbage truck drivers. It doesn't matter. You could do it to, you know, um, astronauts. It, do- it doesn't matter what field it is. <clears throat> you're going to have new ones and you're going to have experienced ones. And you could be as educated as you want. And when you get in that role, it doesn't really matter. It's a different role. So you start over again. Now, you may, you may go quicker to that to that expert because of your background and being able to recognize that that you don't know everything so an imposter phenomena to me I think was it was interesting but it's not helpful um, I'd love to hear your guys thoughts and I'd love to do like a just sit down and talk about theory with someone I'd love to have somebody that was like a like a pro nursing theory just uses them in their practice and and just because I don't find them functionally helpful, usually they usually describe a phenomenon that is pretty obvious, that doesn't really need to be described. That's my my experience. But I'd love to see hear from somebody that's you know maybe an older school person that's that uses theory practically in their in their uh, in in their day to day job. That it would be interesting to me to talk to them because I. I i'm sure i use some of the theories because most of them are obvious it's just you know um you know health promotion seeking why wasn't that one of them i I can't remember all their names but um health seeking behaviors and you know all that kind of stuff yeah sure that's when you recognize people that are doing that what do you do you help them (laughs) you know it's it's obvious But somebody out there that's really pro-theory, loves their theory stuff, email me, Jeff at jeffatthempdude.com. I want to hear from you guys. I would love a PM um, on Facebook about this, and we could start a dialogue and a discussion and see maybe a way that I could incorporate and make my day go easier. I would love it if I could use a nursing theory. I just don't know how. I don't know if it's functionally beneficial. And I've got my theories on theories, and I'll talk about those another time because I think that would be a fun one with... uh, a beer with Joe type of discussion because I think he has slightly different but similar views on theories as I do because we did our research together so I know we we spent time talking about theories a while ago anyways so with that being said guys I want to hear from you I really really do I want emails jeff at the mpdude.com I know I just said it but I want to hear from you I also want those Facebook page uh, likes and shares it's been slow but still going still, still increasing I think we're at 780 something 787, 786, I don't know, somewhere in there, so it's getting there, we're going to hit that, that thousand mark, we got about uh, 7 weeks, 8 weeks, we can do it guys, I need your help though, I can't do it on my own, I, I need you guys to help me, so you you guys that are out there listening, especially you guys on iTunes, I've got a lot of iTunes listeners, I've gotten a bunch of people PMing me, saying I'm on the iTunes, that's all I want to hear from you guys, I want to just hear, it. I'm on iTunes, and I want you to share the show, Send it to your friends. Tell your student colleagues that are at school with you. you There's this wacky guy that's spreading the word about what we're doing. And uh, he's mildly entertaining too. Or not. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever the reason you're listening, tell your friends. So, anyways, it's a beautiful morning. It's a Monday morning. It's sunny. It's only 35 degrees. I put my bees in yesterday. Hopefully they didn't freeze into a brick of bees and die. I'm sure they'll be okay. But, um... Enjoy the day, guys. Have a wonderful, wonderful Monday day. Thanks, and we'll talk soon.